welcome to part two of the John Horton interview. Do enjoy. Back back to some of the serious business. So as 1991 World League season unfolded, um, you know, how did you find it playing these games at Wembley? I mean, I, I was there for three of the regular season games and the atmosphere was just like nothing I'd ever experienced. Man. And the same, you know, I've played in a lot of big stadiums. I've played in stadiums with 100,000 at LSU. But the electricity there in Wembley Stadium is incredible, you know. And, and you could feel in the locker rooms that you were sitting in a part of history, you know, the old Wembley Stadium. You know, as an American, we don't appreciate and we, really, we, we don't have really any history that far, you know, that dates back like you guys do here in Europe. So at first, we was as Americans, you know, young Americans, say, oh, man, this old shit, oh, this old, this and that. But then after a few games, you start thinking, man, you feel the, the energy from the other players, the athletes that walk down the tunnel, you know, the, the athletic smell, and then the fans. You know, you guys really took us in incredibly like we were Brits of our own, you know, like we were British, you know, and that's why – Early on in the season, I picked up this thing of throwing the football up into the stands. You know, I would score and I would throw it up there because I thought it was so cool the way the British fans really took to us and were there to support us. Even out in Surrey and Watford in our practices, I remember Coach Kinnan having to have the police sometimes to keep the people you know, a little, yeah, a little yeah. bit I was, of distance. I was, there. I was there watching practice. Always there, always hanging you know. out, you know, and, and very nice, no aggression, you know, just really, really nice and welcoming, you know. Like I said, almost like you guys adopted us, you know. You guys made us feel like we were home. We did. I mean, this, this you were a part of our team. Yeah. Our country's team. And it, it was... It was an, a, an absolutely special moment in time. So yeah. what, what was it, do you think, that brought the Monarchs together? Because you, you ended up kind of getting 9-1 and one in the regular season. We'll come on to the playoffs in a second. But you, you dominated. And, and what, what was it that... Coach Kennan. Coach Larry Kennan, man. Bottom line. Bottom line. You know, as, as, as a professional athlete, you know, especially a team sport, you know, you have coaches and you always have two kinds of coaches. You have the, the managerial coach that delegates everything to everybody for them to do it. And he's just a figurehead. And then you have coaches that get involved, hands on coach and coach Kennan. That's what he was. He was a hands on. He was the quarterback coach, but he would run over to us receivers and say, no, 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 no. I want you to run it like this. And he would, he was hands on, you know, and he, you know, he recruited a lot of us, what we was called the bad boys, you know, Roy Hart, Danny Lockett, myself, Dana Brinson. Um, there was a few, I can't remember, I'm sure there was more, more than one or two more. We were considered as, um, you know, we had a chance in the NFL and we messed it up. So we were considered as the bad boys, the outlaws, you know, everybody had their reasons or whatever that what they done. You know, Danny Lockett uh, apparently threatened the defensive coordinator at the Detroit Lions, and that's why they cut him. Yeah. So, you know, we all had our issues, and, and 
Coach Kennan brought us together and he told us, he told us in Orlando when he drafted the team, he says, I want you to know, everybody came to me and said, I'm crazy for drafting you guys. That you guys are just a band of misfits. And that's, that's what I mean. You know what I mean? He knew what he was doing. He knew how to bring it together. And he simplified everything and he allowed us to play. He says, look, you guys are pros. We don't need to bang them up, hit each other every day in practice. We need to get mentally right. You know, his whole way was very professional. So that's what I attribute. Straight up, Coach Larry Kennan. And you, the receiver group became the bomb squad. And then yep. yeah, your offensive line were the nasty boys. Exactly. And, and those listening um, who don't remember, one of those offensive linemen turned out to be Doug Marone who's oh, just yeah. recently lost his job as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, I know. you know, it's, it's, it's incredible stuff, isn't it? Yes, yes. And you know that Coach Hugh Jackson was in the NFL head coaching too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm in contact a lot with Coach Jackson. Well, I was going to come on to Coach Jackson because I know that you're, um, you're paying some back now, aren't you? For Coach Jackson. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, you do though. Yeah. So you you went nine and one in the regular season. That week ten loss to the Barcelona Dragons. How how hard did that hit you? Man, that didn't hit us that hard. You know what happened? You got to remember what happened. We flew to New York. We played in New York. We flew to Sacramento. We played in Sacramento. We flew to San Antonio. We played in San Antonio. And then we flew to London and only had four days, four or five days. It's called jet lag. It's called everybody's legs. And you know what? We almost came back in the end. Yeah, I We know. brought it a little bit back. It's only a three-point game it, in the end. Yeah. But our legs, everybody, even the coaches were tired. That, that was a trip from hell. And, and that was part of the kind of journalist narrative, wasn't it? That you, this yes. you couldn't succeed because of the travel, yeah. because of the international travel. And you, you've kind of <laughs> reinforced that that it, was true. It caught us. If it, it was planned to, to make it work for you. And yeah. then to the, the ridiculous thing was you dominated the regular season. You go nine and one. You, you miles better than everybody else, and you have to go and play the semi-final game in New, in New York. York against yeah. a team that are five and five. I mean, yeah. talk about like getting the rough end. What on earth yeah. happened there? You know, uh, Lawrence, I didn't. You know, you you bring you you remind what you reminded me of things that I didn't. I didn't even know that man. You're telling me things that I didn't know. I didn't know that. I knew we were on the top. You know what, honestly, a, a lot of us, we didn't care where we played. We just wanted to play. You know what I mean? It didn't matter to me, you know, that, that we had to go to New York. I just knew that the World Bowl was going to be in London. You know, that's all that mattered, okay? And a lot of us that way, although now that you're saying it, I am starting to remember some players, and I remember coaches on interviews talking about that, that, you know, but, hey, it was the first year of the league. You know, everybody had little problems. Raleigh Durham Skyhawks had problems with flights and stuff like this. You know, it was the first year of the league and they arranged it that way. And, you know, it was a mistake and it came, we came out on top. It was all right. But, but for you, 
you had, w- would you call it your best ever game as a professional? Eight the, 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 225 yards, oh, yeah. two monster scores. And yeah. just just talk us through that that semi-final experience. My goodness. So, uh, so yeah, we flew to New York. You know, I told you, you know, we, we talked earlier my, my past and bad choices I made. A part of that, what happens is when you're making bad choices as a young adult, the kind that I made, you not only um, embarrass yourself, you embarrass your loved ones. Okay, so I told you, I'm a mama boy. So I really, I let her down. You know, I, I really, really let her down with the choices that I made and then the newspapers and everybody blew it all up. So she was, you know, she really couldn't go to the stores and things, you know, it was hard. And, you know, I really, so I wanted to show her that I was getting back on my feet. So I flew her and my sister from Tucson to New York for that game. And I had a limousine pick them up at the airport. And the night before that game, I prayed to God that, Give me everything. I don't care. I can die after this game. Give me the game I need to have to make my mama proud. I'm not joking. And I actually told Coach Jackson, too. I told Coach Jackson, you know, my mom is because they met her. I said, you know, my mom here, my sister, you met her, you know, at the hotel. Can I get a good game? And he possibly, I'm going to ask him because I talk to him on a weekly basis. I'm going to ask him, did he... uh? Did he say something to Coach Cannon or something? Because that last touchdown play, we had practiced that play a month ago before that game. We were practicing it for a just-in-case situation. But like you said, we were dominating so much, we never thought we was going to need that play. You know, and so then all of a sudden, it was a timeout, and Coach Cannon said he called the play, and we all looked at each other like, wait a minute. We didn't practice this week for that place. So that's all right. You know what it is? Run it. And bingo. And that was Coach Kennan, man. That's how he was, you know. And so I was lucky on that last one. So the first touchdown I scored, I tried to throw it to my mom, the football and sister. And, of course, that's New York Giants Stadium. <laughs> you think, ah, I can reach that. But, that man, I was off by a, by a mile. and then so the second touchdown I kept the football and after the game I gave it to my mother and so on so that had a lot to do with my my drive my motivation in that game awesome and and that huge win set you up for revenge and I don't know if it was how much you kind of saw it as a revenge game from that every bit of it as a revenge every um, single one of us so there we are, World Bowl one, Wembley, 61,000 rabid fans, me being one of them in the crowd, <laughs> cheering on with me banner, my self-made banner, I had a painted banner, awesome, man. bought a massive can, like, bed sheet, made a big banner, was kind of waving all of that. Yeah. Um, and there you are, creating history. First yeah. player to score a touchdown in the World Bowl, in, in the first World Bowl. And you beat a guy called Charles Fryer on route to Irving the- Fryer's brother. There we go. There I we know go. who it was. <laughs> I know who I played against my DBs. En route to a 59-yard touchdown. So, yeah, let, let's, let's, let's recapture that moment. 
So you know, if you if you if you um, if you recollect and think about it, you think about New York. You can think about some other games. A lot of my touchdowns, I've, I told Stan Gelball earlier, listen, I played basketball. You high point that ball for me and make it a little bit short, but high point it, I will out jump that DB for that ball. And we kind of adopted, you know, we trained, we worked on it in practice. And in that first, that New York, New Jersey, that first touchdown, I jumped over that guy. They, I caught it, they hit me, they fell down, and I continued to run. So it was basically the same play, the same play. And we looked at each other in the huddle. It was getting close to the half, wasn't it? It wasn't, yeah. And I hadn't really seen the ball. So the old young John Horton, I couldn't change a play, but I sure what is not allowed, and it's not allowed, the only one that speaks in the huddle is the quarterback. But I tend to have a mouth, and I said, man, I ain't touched this ball all damn the whole first half. And so we get to the line of screen. You know, I said this in the huddle, and, of course, they're saying, shut up, shut up. You know, the other players are trying to peer pressure, shut up, quarterback talks. But I said it to him. We get on the line of scrimmage, and he kind of looks at me, and I look at him, and I know that look. I was like, okay, maybe he's my chance. And he did. He threw that pill up there for me, and I was not going to let nobody else have it but me. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I can still see it in my mind. Yeah, oh, yeah, you you got me reminiscing to like little deja vu in my head. Yeah, just, just it was awesome feeling, man. You know, I played in a lot of different uh, stadiums, man, and I played for a lot of different years. And that the Wembley Stadium was special. The energy, the vibes that you guys gave us that 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 energy was incredible. I guess it's a soccer energy. I don't know, man. It's incredible because the way you guys yell. <sighs> You know, it's not like that in America. They don't do that. They just, oh, yeah. But you guys have this, oh, you know, this noise. And you feel it. You feel that energy as a player. It, it, it was our team. It was our team. And it was, it was we, we were part of you. You were part of us. Yeah, exactly, that's, man. That's and we felt it. We definitely and, felt it, man. And then just, just for everyone who, who wasn't there, the, the Monarchs went on to win that World Bowl 21-zip. Um, you had a Dan Crossman who, who got three interceptions in the game, became the yeah. MVP. Yeah, and and then game. Judd Garrett, the brother of Jason Garrett, caught yep. a touchdown as well. So yeah. what, what, what happened at the end? What did you guys do to, to celebrate? Or is it actually... You, know, you know, everybody by that time, it was the end of the year. I think some players even had tickets booked to go back early the next morning to go back, you know. We had been, you know, we had done that three-city trip. And then we got our butt kicked by, well, you know, we lost to Barcelona. We rejuvenated. We went back to New York. And then we went back to London. It was getting to the end, you know. We was getting to the end. We was tired. And everybody just kind of dispersed. Uh, I stayed a little bit. I stayed a little bit, uh, I think, about a week or two longer. Um, my ex-wife... I met and I was there with her and then, uh, yeah, I went back to Arizona. And then kind of, you then ended up, um, as I say, you went back to Arizona, but then ended up um, in training camp with the, with the Phoenix Cardinals. So what, what happened? What, what was the outcome there? So lesson number one for John Horton is don't go back 
and get back in trouble. Okay, so I go back. I come from that kind of a neighborhood. I'm trying to help some people out from my neighborhood, you know, help a brother out, help me out, this and that. And I got caught in the mix. Okay. So the Arizona Cardinals, you know, they, they gave me an opportunity and they told me you're on a very short leash, you know, but Again, I'm thinking about it here. So the, when I went back to Arizona, my agent, Jabari, we were talking to Arizona and Atlanta. We were talking to two teams, okay? And I wanted to play in Arizona. But so Gene Taylor, do you remember him from the Barcelona Dragons? Okay. So Gene Taylor and an offensive lineman from the Birmingham Fire had just signed big contracts. Immediately after, they signed big, uh, Gene Taylor went to the Kansas City Chiefs. He signed, I knew that because he was a receiver. I'm a receiver. And he signed for about 250 signing bonus, uh, 750 to a million a year. Arizona only wanted to give me $50,000 a year. And I was pissed. So I was like, uh, 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 uh. And then, of course, they said, here's your past. Here's your past. Here's your past. You are a high risk. This is all we can do. And I told them, my agent, I said, hell no. Let's talk to Atlanta. Atlanta said the same thing. And then this offensive lineman signed for like 300,000. And that's unheard of. An old lineman, and no disrespect to them because they do the do. It's different now. They make the money. But back in them, them days, there was quarterback number one, running back, wide receiver, uh, DBs, linebackers, O-line, D-line. That's just how the pay scale was. But you had an O-line making more money than me. And I felt, or being offered more than me, and I felt, no, I wasn't going to do that. You're not going to, you know, I proved to you that I can do what I do. I went and done what you told me to do, go play in the World League. And now, okay, and so actually the World League, I made more money than what they was willing to give me because of the world bowl and everything, you know, you got bonuses. So me and my agent, we fight and we're fighting. And I was just telling him, hell no, man, no, I'm not going to do this. And he's like, look, you need to stop being this young kid again and think about what you're in front of you. And I was like, you know what, honestly, man, I don't even want to play football anymore. I said, I don't even want to play. So he was on me for a couple of weeks, Lawrence. And so what I did was, is I signed a contract with him. He talked me into it. I signed a contract with it. I went into a hotel for about two days. I was totally against it. I was depressed and I wanted to go back and see my, my wife. So I flew back to London and I didn't show up for training camp. Whoa. whoa. Yeah. So they gave me a signing bonus and I took that money and I flew back to London and got an apartment in Chiswick. And yeah, we was married. I was living in Chiswick. I had a car, I was driving around Chiswick, and then boop, 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 police everywhere. I'm like, whoa, what's this? And they said, oh, excuse me, are you John Horton? Da, 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 da. I'm like, yeah. And they deported me back to Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, back to Phoenix. The player representative for the Arizona Cardinals met me in Phoenix. They drove three hours to Flagstaff to the training camp. The press was there, newspapers and everything. And I was like, and then Jabari, I saw him there in Flagstaff. 
And I'm like, what's going on? He says, man, I don't know what to do with you, man. I don't know what to, I just always remember him telling me, I don't know what to do with you, man. You don't realize what you're doing. You don't realize, I was like, I don't care, I don't care. And so we went in there, had an hour meeting and he gave me these ultimatum, ultimatums. And I said, bye. Yeah? I said, no. And then they said, give our signing bonus back. I said, no, no, that's my signing bonus. That's my signing bonus. There's nothing in there saying that I have to play, nothing in there saying I have to practice, nothing. So the next year they changed, from I understand, Jabari has told me in the future that they've changed contracts now that it ain't like that. You're not getting your signing bonus until you play a third of the season or something like that, yeah. <clears throat> and then I tried to get back in the World League and then the NFL dropped the bomb. I was in Orlando with Coach uh, Wilsey. Yeah, back right. with the London Monarchs for 92 season. Uh, two days before we were supposed to fly back to London, I got a, somebody came from the NFL and sat down with me, Coach Wilsey, and said, you are banned from playing. You are not allowed to play. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The NFL is involved in this league, and you are not. You owe the NFL the signing bonus money, and you cannot play. So that answers my question about why you weren't there in 92. They said, you will not play. And they're, they're, they're absolutely right. They are absolutely right, okay? I did not have the smarts. I was too immature, you know, and I didn't, you know, I just wasn't making the right choices. Ego, whatever you want to call it. And it really backfired on me. That's... That's an in incredible story, John, and thank you so much yeah. for sharing. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's going deep. That really yeah. is in terms of kind of what happened. And you know, it actually, um, I flew back to London with the team. They let me fly back with the team because first they were trying to leave me in Orlando. But I said, no, 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 no. You brought me from London because remember, I was living in Chiswick. They flew me to camp in Orlando from London to come. So I'm in Orlando and then they tell me, oh, you're cub. We're going to send you back to Tucson. I said, I don't live in Tucson. You got to fly me back to London. And they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to fly me back to London. And Coach Wilsey talked to them or whatever, and they allowed me to go back with the team to London. But when we landed in London, I had to go this way and the team went that way immediately. They made sure I disconnected immediately. Oh, boy. Yeah. And then yeah. to kind of Going forward then, you, you ended up spending a lot of time in Germany and, and playing in Germany in, the, in the, the German Bundesliga, was it? Was that That's the... Right. Yeah, German Bundesliga, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. I, you, if I look here, we've got... Um, you played for the Hanau Hawks, the... Yep. Braunschweig Lions. Lions. Lions and the Cologne Crocodiles. Four... Four national titles and a and a Euro Bowl in nineteen ninety nine, um, and and you know what 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 stuck out the most from from that experience there. Hey, you know, honestly, man, it was, you know, I made a lot of bad choices in my life, man, and I'm I'm definitely grateful and thankful and and lucky or whatever you want to call it, God, Buddha, Allah. I mean, I have a golden angel some on my shoulder because. You know, I was able to continue to play. And I tell you, my experience in Germany is when I finally grew up. You know, it took me being in Germany in a foreign country 
they, and I was in a city where they don't speak English. I shouldn't say don't. English is not their second language. First language was German. Second language was Russian because I was by the Eastern, former East German border. And the third language was English. So I was forced to learn how to adapt and drop your ego and, you know, and, and grow up and be a man. And uh, I got there. I was in Hanau. And then I wound up, uh, we got beat and we had an all-star game, uh, the South and the North. And at that time in Germany, the Northern teams had the most money. And they had a lot of sponsorship back then in the 90s, a lot of sponsorship. And I'll tell you, there was a few years that I made more money playing in the German league that I did in the World League or even Canada. Okay, yeah. They really had, before the, the Euro hit and the, and the financial crisis hit, it was going very big. We had Mercedes-Benz as a sponsor, a million Dutchmark sponsor from them, uh, five million from Feldschlossen, that's their brewery, you know, their local beer, you know, Germany. I mean, we had, so it was a great time, Lawrence, and I was able to um, go from Hanau, I played in this all-star game, I dominated, and a few Northern teams said, hey, would you wanna play in North? And I said, that's why I played in this game, so you guys could see, and I want to be where the money is. So Braunschweig um, approached me and was a team that was on the cusp of being knocked down to the second league, and they played a relegation game and barely won by one point to stay in the first league. So I think you know it, New Yorker clothing. You know this? New Yorker, you have it in England. Yeah, yeah. All right, so New Yorker, one of the owners is from Braunschweig. So he put like 20 million Deutschmarks sponsorship on the Lions, on the Braunschweig Lions when we came, when I came in there. And he told me, you know, I will take care of you. And he, we had another running back uh, from USC. His name was Estrus Creighton. He paid him. And then I got, I got a British uh, quarterback through my contacts of being in London, uh, Adrian Rainbow. I brought him from London and uh, on the team and the rest was history. I was two-time player of the year in the league. We won two European championships, four German championships. It was great, Lawrence. It was great. You know, uh, you, you know, as an American, you hear all the negatives about Germany and so on, but I tell you, it's a great country. Very nice people, I have to say, and I tell all my friends back home, to me, they're nicer than Americans are. They're more real. Europeans are nicer and more real than Americans are. And yeah, it was a great eight, nine years. Nah, that's, that's, that's really good to hear. And then you came back to Germany 2005 to 2007, and then you became a, then you went to the Dutch League, um, yeah. the Maastricht Wildcats, uh, <laughs> and you won another title. So, you know, it, yeah. it rains, does it? It doesn't, doesn't rain. It pours in terms of kind of things that you've won. Man, Lawrence, I didn't know how to do anything in life except play football and win. I mean, and it, you know, with my company now, I've had, I've learned with the help of my wife, I've learned how to take all of that that I've learned in football that I first thought was useless. You know, I said, oh, that's it. You're done with football. You're done. You've you messed up, you made bad choices, you were supposed to be a millionaire, now you're gonna have, what you gonna do? So, you know, it, it's, 
it's been a great ride. The, the Netherlands football has taught me. She has been able to get me to understand what football has taught me in life, you know, and you got to work hard. You know, you got to be consistent. You got to, you know, you, you just got to go and go and go. There is no, I can't do it. You got to, you got, you know what I mean? So I came over here to the Netherlands to, because like I told you as well, I didn't want to go back to America. My time was done in Germany and it was really getting bad because the Euro was coming. No, the Euro had already hit. I'm sorry. The Euro had already hit. So they were paying players a third what they, when I left. So I was really like, oh, there's no sense of being here anymore. You know, I don't want to be here, you know. And so I had an opportunity to come coach, help coach the national American football team in the Netherlands. And when I came here and I seen how cosmopolitan the country of the Netherlands is, you know, you have people from all over the world living here. Muslims, Jews, Christians, I don't care what you are, Buddhist, they all live here. And they live here with pretty much peace and harmony. All right? And, and being, being half Dutch, you know, it's well, I, you know. Makes, so me, you know. makes me proud to, to hear all of yes. this. Yes, man, the Netherlands is an unbelievable people country. It really is. The people are genuine. You know, unfortunately, the United States has a big influence on the world. And some of those things are falling into the Netherlands uh, system, you know, the fast foods and da-da-da-da-da-da. But it's a great place to be, man. And so I was able to coach the Netherlands, the Dutch team, and then that's how I got the head coaching job with the Maastricht Wildcats. They had never won a Dutch championship. So we was lucky. We won the championship. And then I started what I do now. And that's, this is it. So you went from a head coach to a fitness coach. And yes. I think having watched some of your, your kind of monologues <laughs> on, on social media about what this means to you and how, you know, you are the living embodiment of life begins at 40. Yeah, you know, it, again, I appreciate that, Lawrence. Nice, man. I appreciate it. Nice words, man. But, you know... I, I think about it often and everything, and I'm gonna tell you, I, I say it a lot, and I've already said it. My wife really, really uh, is very special in finding a way to get the best out of me and finding ways to get me to make the right choices, you know, and not to give up. You know, a part of my problem was in my, one of my younger years was I was afraid to succeed. You know, it's, it's easy to be a, you know, a, a loser. You set yourself up and then they say, see, I told you so. I knew that was going to happen. That's easy. But to win, you know, and to, to stand up to that, that's the hard part. And so what I was doing in my career was, is I was setting myself up for failure. Purposely, subconsciously, because I was succumbing to the pressure of having to live up to that wide receiver, star wide receiver, all right? That pressure, I didn't have that supporting cast to, to, to vent. You know, I had to keep that macho, keep everything in and swallow it and coach, don't worry about it. I'm throwing up in the toilet before the game because I'm having an anxiety attack. Don't worry about that. 
you know, and so on and so forth, you know, it really, I realized in my later days, 40 plus years that I was on a self-destruction course. You know, I would, I would do real good, but when the pressure got too, too much, I would pull the rug out from underneath. And, and, and I guess back then there wasn't the support with psychologists and nutritionists. That's a weakness. That was a weakness. All of that, all of that, that we have now. Our, our modern players are yes. treated like gods and given yep. everything on numerous plates, gold edge plates. And I'm glad that they're doing that because I tell you, as a professional athlete, just like a, a, a business owner of a multi-million dollar company, that responsibility, that pressure is, it needs support. You know, it, it, LeBron, you know, and, you know, these guys got supporting cast around them. My mama did a hell of a job. She's a hell of a person, but she could only do so much, you know, and so... Yeah, so I, you know, my wife is my 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 rock. She's my you know, I'm a little bit heavy on her at times, but you know, she <laughs> she she swings back. You know what I mean? She throws the punches right back and she's um, the boss. stands her ground. Huh? She's the boss. I, I don't want to say that, but her my, my, her my wife my wife runs things. I I, I don't want to. Admit yeah, it, I'm I'm a little bit. I, I'm still a little bit too alpha male, <laughs> but. I do, I do pause when, she, when I know what she's got to say and she's serious about it. I do pause. I listen. I let it spin around. And then I come back to her. And generally, nine times out of ten, I wind up agreeing. So I do it a different way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, yeah. I do it, you know. And so, yeah, so she's the one. So I was done with the football that's how I met her through football and then started training her. And she's in the beauty business in the Netherlands, one of the top people for training women on how to take care of your skin. She trains beauticians or uh, people who take, what do they call? What do we call it? Makeup people or whatever. I don't know what Makeup they call artists. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know how to treat skin, you know, and this is what she does. And she, you know, so I trained her and she lost a lot of weight. So, She's in a women's industry. And so they came out and said, hey, what did you do? I want that. And so she told me, look, I could turn what you do into a business if you want to. If you want to stay in the Netherlands, we can make this a business. And that was um, 15 years ago. And so she, uh, my first clients for the first two or three years were her network throughout the Netherlands from this beauty, you know, the beauty business, you know. And so I was, I'd say 70% were women that I was training because of women, but the husbands would come like this. And then uh, we started moving, moving up. People started noticing. I started realizing, hey, man, you know, this is something that I can do. And I actually enjoy it. So I started educating myself besides the fact of what I've learned over so many years of being a football player, you know, uh, training and getting ready is, is like me brushing my teeth. You know, it's been, it's my lifestyle. It's been my life since I was, uh, let's say, 16 years old. So I was happy to be able to share this with people and see the results happening. And that gratification of them telling thank you and they got a tear in their eye and that energy, wow, it hit me, you know, and I got addicted to that. And then we wound up going, you know, well, we started off going to people's houses. I was using a little marketing strategy where I bring the fitness studio to you. And it was called Get Fit Now, the company. 
And then we decided, you know, we need to personalize this company. It's growing now. So a market, we hired a marketing guy and he says, your, your name, you need to be the company. So this is when we took this John Horton personal training. And so I opened up my own gym, my own personal training gym, and it's really been a success. I'm, again, thankful, grateful, you know, to the higher powers out there. And it just recently, over the last nine months, I also went online as an online personal trainer. And that's the one that is really doing well. That's the one, the, the personal training gym the st is paying the bills for sure. But this, what I have with the online platform, I have Coach Hugh Jackson working my program right now, your best body at 40 plus. We, we, we just give the context here. So Hugh Jackson, your, your coach, your kind of offensive coach with the Monarchs, he went on to become head coach of the Cleveland Browns, the Oakland Raiders, exactly. um, and a, a very, very special guy. And, and yeah. one that, that us Brits have an absolute lot of love for as well. Um, and you're now, you're now giving back. You're now, now training him. <laughs> yeah, and he's doing really well. He's doing really well. He's enjoying the program. Look, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Lawrence, I'm very proud of the program because I worked hard on it. This is something, like I said, my wife taught me how to, to dig deep and bring that football stuff that I learned and, and, and share it with others so that, you know, to help others. And, and it's um, your best body at 40-plus program with my, my own development of training style, the antagonistic algorithm training method. And that's the uniqueness as far as training with me is that style. The nutrition is also unique for us men of 40-plus. It's an alpha male testosterone boosting nutrition plan because that's what us men start losing when we get 40 for every year that passes, you drop 1% in testosterone production. And you and I know that testosterone is our go juice. Testosterone is everything for us. If you have a low testosterone, you have a high body fat percentage. You know, if you have a low testosterone, you have a low muscle fat, you know, muscle percentage. You know, you're, there's a lot of negativities that happen as opposed to when you have your hormonal production optimized, everything's easier. Stress is lighter, you know, the, the body fat is less, the muscle is a little more, you know, you feel better, so on and so forth. And um, with this program, it's really been doing great. People are really smashing. If anybody's interested, I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of you, Lawrence. If anybody is really interested in this and is really uh, want to know if this is a program that fits for them, it's your best body at 40 plus program for men. You can find me on Facebook, John. Horton, J-O-N-H-O-R-T-O-N, all right? You can also look at John Horton Personal Training on Facebook. One of those two. John Horton's easier. You can find me. I'm here in the Netherlands. I'm the only John Horton in the Netherlands. Drop me a message, and let's see if we can take care of you. But, yeah, Lawrence, it's been going really great. I'm, you know, I'm blessed, man. You heard my story, buddy. I, you know, I've been asked many times to write a book, but I just don't. <laughs> you know what? There is absolutely a book there we've, I mean, we've, maybe we've, i'll do it just for myself we've touched on these things but you know maybe 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 it's something i can help with maybe you know hey. it's, it's, it, it's been a it's been an absolute honor an absolute pleasure john i didn't I think it. as a 17 year old kid seeing one of my <laughs> heroes that almost I appreciate it, man. And, and this is going to make us feel old that kind of almost 30 years later I'm, yeah. I'm talking to, to one of my idols. Yeah, so I, I just well, want to say we, we are in 
eternally grateful for your time. I appreciate Thank you. you and listen, so man, I really appreciate you guys, the way you supported us and the way, like I said at the beginning, you welcomed us and made us feel like we were part of your autumn. And that'll never be forgotten. Brilliant. John, thank you right, so much. You, you take care. An absolutely massive thank you to John Horton for his time um, talking to NFL fan in England. Join us for more interviews coming up shortly, including our next interview with a Steelers legend. Stay tuned.